Welcome to Advantage Over, the podcast for the rugby referee community, or simply those in rugby who want to know more about refereeing. Are you ready? Time on. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Advantage Over podcast. Yay, we've made it to episode 10 in double figures, so I'm really pleased that you are here listening to the only podcast for the global refereeing community, um, or for those interested in what we do on the refereeing front. We're back after a bit of a, a pre-season break um, with the latest news and an update on um, actually a previous podcast edition, so hopefully you will keep listening for the rest of the show. Um, it's apt to sort of get back into the swing of things today. Um, today is International Podcast Day, um, so if you're into podcasts, and I'm guessing the fact that you're listening to this that you are and um, then if you want to see what's going on in the podcasting world then keep your eyes on the the hashtag international podcast day and see what's going on um I am Keith Lewis I'm the host of the show um and, and you're very welcome to um to listen to what's going on um speaking of listening get in reviews is a great way of prodding me to get more episodes recorded so just want to say thank you to to these two fine reviews that have come in over the last couple of weeks one from boggy one from Bobby Big Balls from Australia who says great podcast keep it going so glad I found it you should approach the unions around the world to put a link to it on the general rugby public arena because it needs to increase our rugby IQ um, so thank you very much I'm glad you think we add to that um, if you're listening to this and you are in a, um, a union or you have some authority in these matters then please do feel free to share the link um, out if you go to um, www.advantageover.com um, that will head through to the podcast homepage. The second of the reviews I had was from Niall in the UK who writes, um, I'm a middle-of-the-road grassroots referee in England. This podcast has been really useful in developing my skills and also in helping understand the wider world of professional refereeing. So thanks for setting it up and keep it going. Well, thanks, Niall. Um, really great to hear from you. Um, I'm glad that we're filling a, a space for you and you're finding it of value. So um, if you're like Niall or Bob, Bobby Big Balls, then um, um, please do... Um, if you're enjoying the show, then please do go and leave us a review. It's always good for the ratings um, and other people. It will help other people find it. And, and feel free to share the fact that we have a podcast out in your refereeing community, wherever it is in the world you happen to be. So on to the news sort of proper front. Um, the last week um, was uh, saw a series of meetings held in Sydney by World Rugby. Um, and one outcome of that that I don't think anyone was really expecting was a new law for us all to think about. Um, and it appears to be a reaction to an incident in the summer internationals whereas when the Australian um, Israel Folau was yellow carded after an in-air collision with the Irish flanker Peter Mahoney um, as, they, as both players went for the ball. The issue there when everyone slowed it down to look at it was that Armani had actually been let go of in the air by his own supporter, CJ Stander, which is perfectly um, okay. Well, it's not okay to be let go in the air, but he'd been um, jumped up, had some support from CJ underneath him, um, and as part of the connection with the air, the fact that CJ Stander had let go of him kind of either caused or exacerbated, depending on which side of the argument you're looking at it, um, caused the, 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 the tall Irishman to come tumbling to ground um, at the time. Fellow took 10 minutes um, in the Simbin for the contact in the air, much the frustration of the coaches of many sides, uh, and not just the Australian one um, in that case. So um, obviously been an interesting issue, these collisions in the air, um, and in rewriting the law book over the last couple of months, and we've now obviously got the slim down law book, there are times where there's some inconsistencies across um, the book that are being ironed out. So what we've seen now is that from now, if you're listening to, wherever you're listening to this from, 
um, at whatever time the law is now in play and um, there's a specific law requiring a supporting player to return the lifted player to ground in open play which brings a consistency and um, it has been the same for a line out so if you are a, a supporter in the line out you're you are obliged to bring the person you have supported back down to ground that was never in there for open play um, but they've now brought it in interestingly under under foul play law 9 as it now is um, so what law 9.19 now says which is new it says that in open play any player may lift or support a player from the same team Players who support or lift a teammate must lower the player to the ground safely as soon as the ball is won by a player of either team. And the sanction for that piece of foul play, if they don't, is a free kick. So, so that law, as I say, comes into effect it's immediately. It is in play now for all levels of rugby all over the world. Um, and for those of you who need to um, write that into their law books, you'll need to then change um, existing laws 9.19 and to up to 9.25 um, need to be renumbered. 920 to 926 respectively so that's the big law news of the last um, couple of weeks so um, I can't think there are many occasions where um, this will come into effect for, for, for many people refereeing listening to this um, but obviously it brings in player safety if you're going to chuck someone into the air you will have an obligation now in open play and in the set piece to bring your, your mate to ground um, I think that makes sense for everybody um, so there we go. So um, appointments-wise, um, we are about to hit the European break for both the Challenge and the Champions Cup, um, and they kick off in two weeks. So there's been um, uh, a good start to the season across the Pro 14 in France, Italy, um, and in the English Premiership. As it now uh, the Gallagher Premiership in England now. So um, a couple of weeks into that, um, we head into the European break. Um, and EPRC have just announced um, a, a pool of 29 referees will officiate the first two rounds, um, 40 appointments um, of the two cups. Um, all the usual suspects will be in action. Um, the eight professional Reeves in England all get fixtures. The seven from France, six from Ireland, um, including um, another match in the Challenge Cup for Join Neville, um, and then four from Wales. Um, an interesting name on the list, if you uh, have a look down all the appointments, um, is the Romanian Vlad Lordescu, who makes his return to, to top tier action after the Belgium versus Spain controversy earlier this year. Obviously, he was cleared of any wrongdoing as part of all that um, messy um, outcome. Um, but he'll be in La Rochelle, who hosts NSI STM on the 19th of October in round two. Um, so um, interest, a whole bunch of interesting appointments for people to have a look at um, when that European breaks kicks in. We're obviously um, still in the rugby championship window and there's still another couple of weeks of that left. Um, although um, congratulations to the All Blacks who have already tied that one up with a game or two to spare. Um, so wherever you are over the next couple of weeks, um, we obviously wish you well, um, whether you're involved in any of those games or watching, um, or of course wishing you well in whatever it is that you are doing. Um, and if you've got a story or a, um, a, or a question that you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Um, so please do let us know in any way possible. Obviously this is part of the rugbyrefree.net community. Um, so please do find us across there, across all social media handles. Um, we'd love to get any um, suggestions or questions you like for the podcast. If you want to drop me an email, 
keith at advantageover.com will find its way to my inbox um, and as I said before we love you to um, leave some feedback on, on the podcast so head up on the podcast so do please head over to Apple Podcasts as I believe it's now called rather than iTunes um, and leave us a review um, and we'd love to read those out in the next episode or whenever it is you um, kindly leave it so yeah um, anything you want to let us know about if you've got any questions queries comments feedback um, please do let us know it's all very welcome and so now with all that wrapped up we're going to transition across to our interview for this episode episode 10 um you might want to go back and listen to episode 8 again um that was when we spoke to um, hendrik gravenstein from the sa referees academy that will all make sense in just a moment or two um so you can consider the next part of the podcast part two of episode eight thanks for listening look forward to speaking to you again soon So a couple of weeks ago, we spoke to uh, Hendrik Gravenson, who leads the SA Referees Academy down in Stellenbosch. Um, well, I'm really pleased today that I'm joined on the podcast by Joya Clark, who's actually from the US, as you'll hear in a minute, um, but has been a part on the scholarship program for the last um, few weeks and months. So Joya Clark, welcome to the Advantage Over podcast. Thanks for having me, Keith. Happy to be here. Great. So before we head into the last six weeks, let's go back a bit further um, and, and sort of talk me through your rugby background. How have you ended up where you are today? Well, uh, I've been involved in rugby for about 10 years now. I joined a, a U19 club when I was about 16, and then I, I played on some all-star teams, and then I got recruited to play at university, and I had a really good stint um, at Norwich University in Vermont where we started off on um, the sevens national championship we won the first three once we won a 15s national championship we moved up to d1 and then we helped really promote a varsity league in the women's collegiate sector which i'm very proud of from there i went to coaching um at norwich i actually helped their men's team find some success and then i moved out west 3,000 miles 5,000 kilometers um coached with another team and found um, my love for the game elsewhere through that journey, through refereeing. Cool. So, so, so the link, link for you in rugby, so obviously player, a coach, and then into refereeing, that was your route to it. Um, and was refereeing always a thing that you've done? Had, what was it that took you, made you start with the whistle? What's your referee story? Hmm. I actually read um, John Kaplan's book, hmm? um, and that, that inspired me um, to pick up the whistle, and I was doing that while I was still coaching, but no, I've only been um, refereeing for about a, a year and a half now, and it's really just really changed how I look at the game, and as somebody who likes law, as somebody who, who views both sides of our game very well, I, I really have enjoyed um, the transition I've taken from playing to coaching, now coaching to refing, and I, I still play as well, so... I really enjoy my viewpoint, and I think I can really add to those around me. Great stuff. So, so when so back home, um, obviously the uh, Pacific Northwest—that's quite a big area. So, Idaho, Oregon, Washington State is your patch. Yes. Uh, that must take, keep you busy from a refereeing perspective. What sort of level are you refereeing back home? Um, I've been refereeing in the Pacific Northwest of a lot of like D2 club, D2 college, some D1 in there, a lot of sevens. Um, and some high school as well. And I travel up to like 100 miles a game, sometimes even farther. Like we, we cra- travel a lot of ground mm. and there's a lot of, lot of different levels. 
great stuff. So you're joining us today from Stellenbosch. How on earth do I does someone from the, the far west of um, the US ended up in Stellenbosch for the summer? Well, I was lucky to enough to find an opportunity. That's that's what I do in my life in general. Um, the USA Rugby Trust they sponsor um, a Shaniger Shaniger Morrison referee fund, and that allows aspiring referees um, around my age to come all the way down here to Stellenbosch in South Africa and like live the experience firsthand. And it's it's something that just cannot be provided in the United States. Right, and so when we we talked to Hendrik a couple of weeks ago, he kind of said that when once you guys get down there, you get into the system and you live the whole thing. So t- talk me through how that how that actually works. How how what's the last two two or three months been like for you? We have a full Saturday generally. We'd be refing at eight nine a.m. We'd referee some from schoolboys um, until about noon one o'clock. I might get. I might get three separate games in just that morning. And then in the afternoon, we'd head over to club games, which I haven't gotten a lot of, which I'm okay with. The club games are they're very tough here. So I, um, I AR'd mostly for those, and I, I just um, did a few myself. And that's just a Saturday. So I can get, I can get five 15s games on a Saturday. And then go midweek, sometimes on Tuesday afternoons, there's some schoolboys, kids playing barefoot rugby. Mm-hmm. And... Then Mati's hosts hostel rugby, and it's like kind of in the U.S. for us, they're like fraternities, and they have all different levels up to four leagues in their one hostel, and they play weekday rugby Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the four different leagues. And I was getting all the way up from Tuesday, and then I've gotten, I earned myself up to Thursday games that were still challenging for me. So just, I could get minimum six games a week, sometimes ten. I mean, that is an awful lot of rugby. That's uh, having yeah. having been through through my development process at the start, picking up maybe fifty games in a season at the at the absolute max. You've probably done that in four or five weeks. Yeah, I've gone sixty one matches over sixty five days. Blimey. And that's in addition to um all the off field things that, that the SA Academy puts you through. What what sort of elements yeah. have, have, have you enjoyed or been party to there? Oh, we're just we've just been students basically, which I really enjoy. Uh, we've been taking a lot of law tests. We would do them open book with my academy teammates. We'd write down the exact laws. We'd find them so we could really understand them. We'd go to um, what we, quote we'd call the I gym, where we just work with a lot of our reactions and making sure that we're strengthening the muscles around our eyes because if we can't see, we can't ref. Um, we've done so many things. Um, we would do hands-on exercises. With I know I did a lot specifically with my whistles, mm-hmm. um, and we would do fitness, and that was the gist of it. And there was a lot of other stuff sprinkled in. Okay, that, the point you make there about the eye fitness is is something that's I think massively underrated from a referee training perspective. I remember, I've, I've done a few bits and pieces like that over time using those um, sort of batak walls. Is that the right thing to describe mm-hmm. it as? Where you kind of have to hut the light, hut the lights in in your periphery yes. and, and knock them off as quickly as you can. But that even even doing that a couple of times in a couple of seasons, really, so that you can start to see how that will benefit a ref on the field referee. So, 
Totally. So. I would take a lot of notes, Keith, and I would um, I would track all of mine, and I improved nearly every week. Even one time we, we ran the mountain before we went there specifically, so we were stressed and we were tired, and I still improved my scores. So it's just all about strength in that. And I've had an eye injury before, so <laughs> I, need that, I need that more than anybody. So I, I really valued the eye gym. Great. And actually, there's another part. Where I we didn't talk about that with Hendrik, but it's something that um, I've heard over the years. How much um, training do you do deliberately under fatigue conditions? Is that an element of what they're, they're putting you through? We would do it um, sometimes. I would say like a quarter of the time, just enough. to. It, it, but it definitely needs to be touched on. There's, there's some things that I've I've heard about in the past. I've never actually been. This sort of came out just as I I stopped doing my as much active refereeing as I did in the past, um, where people would do their real intense cardio session um, and then do a something like a Sudoku puzzle or a um, crossword at exactly that point. Because if you think about it from a refereeing perspective, you're going to be running around all afternoon um, and then have to make the decision when you get to the breakdown. So training yourself to work for your brain to work. In the in when your body is fatigued, um, is actually something we should probably all think about doing um, as well. So I couldn't agree more. It's good, to, good to hear what you, they've been doing there. So you've obviously done a lot of things. What I didn't shouldn't have asked you at the start is how, how many of you are the on there? I know you're not the only one from the US, are you? Um, no, it's varied um, since I've been here, and this is this is one of the lower groups I think he's had um, just. This year so mm. far, it's it's varied. Um, I overlapped with um, Alex, who was here for about six weeks before I got here. We were here for two weeks at the same time. And then I have a teammate from Zimbabwe. His name's Taka, and he's been here the whole year. Um, we had another guy from Eastern Province come over, and he was here for just two weeks at a time. So it's nice because you can, you can attend – the SA Rugby Academy for any length of time. A lot of the South Africans they do it for a whole year. Mm. They'll do it for a whole. They'll do it for that whole time. So you can come for just a couple weeks, a couple more, like Alex and I were doing. And Hendrick does a great job shaping it to benefit us. And that's Alex Catamol, I think. Yes. So so he's back home now, back refereeing. Yes, and he's in law school right now. So that's why we couldn't quite line up because he had to be back by a certain date and he moved societies and yeah he's in, he's in the ground right now excellent so how, how are you feeling from a from a team perspective or a cohort perspective is that a, a very much part of the refereeing team feeling that's something that we we certainly heard from Hendrik that he tries to generate totally and I, I as a player and a coach like I thrive in those environments so I've been enjoying the team environment and I think I said earlier like we've been taking law tests we would do it as a group mm. and Hendrick said we couldn't move on to a next question until we decided as a group what the final answer was and we would run together and we would train together I would film Taka he'd film me back we'd have film sessions together and I I love that kind of stuff and the hard part about refereeing a lot of times is you're on your own. Mm -hmm. So it's about finding that balance, especially here, because I know I, I won't always have teams. Ideally, I'll have teams of threes as I get better, but it, we're on our own a lot. So. I once heard somebody else say, so you're all, as a referee, you're always on your own, but then you're never on your own. It's kind of like yes, that I think both element it, to it. Yeah. I think of it like you're you're running. I ran track when I was younger. It's like it's like being on a track team where yes, there's a, there might be a team of fifty or sixty of you. You might occasionally run on a relay team, but you're you're there for yourself. 
and to improve for yourself. And if you do well, you will help those around you. Right, so, so what do you what do you say the best bits have been since you've been out there? Well, the best. Oh, I I love when when. I do a good job on the field. It encourages a lot of sportsmanship, and I love seeing the sportsmanship really after the matches because that that says a lot about the players and their character. Specifically, like it's it's a subjective measurement, but when the when the losing team is smiling, holding their heads up, mm. it makes me feel like I've done a good job because they had fun. So I I like to think that I work I work for them. And you can't always get it, mm-hmm. but um, it's it's a goal. Yeah, so it's a it's a great attitude to take into it. So that's all good. But then, of course, whenever whenever there's good things, obviously things don't always go go well. So how 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 have you dealt with the challenging elements of of being a student down there? I have to always remind myself that if I'm doing my best, there's there's nothing more I can give players. So especially, I know one thing a lot of referees in all different sports struggle with, or like we get yelled at by players and coaches and fans, and a lot of it's when we're when we're not making great calls. But sometimes it even happens when we're making good calls. And I try to consciously know what level I'm at because if I'm making good calls, I just have to kind of shut it out. And because some even here in South Africa, it's kind of shocking, Keith. A lot of these players they they're not up to date with the laws and that's something that kind of shocks me coming from the states like, same, I think it's the they same everywhere better. yeah you, I, I guess I made an assumption and we all know we shouldn't be doing that mm-hmm. but I do try to I try not to take it personally when people yell at me when I'm making bad calls I try to use it more as motivation because if if I am making bad calls I want to do better so I take that stress and I funnel it to to improve where I'm at but it's it's hard because when you're yelling at people, just like if you're yelling at a dog, it doesn't doesn't fix the behavior. We're all human, so it's just it's a tough balance of trying to work under stress constantly. And the better I'm doing, the less stress I'm going to feel. So it's just all incentive to do better. And, and you talk about bad calls there, which always makes me feel slightly uneasy so I was refereed for a long time and um, and whilst you whenever you make a decision you make you, what you think is the right decision um, or the best decision at that particular point I know it's, it's, I've been on a, f- a couple of Facebook conversations with some of your American colleagues in the last couple of weeks talking about bad calls it never sits quite that easily but how do you how do you know is there something that you've you've kind of learned or taught yourself perhaps as part of this program that makes you identify when the calls aren't as accurate as they could be or you're looking at things in the wrong way and not getting the best out of the game yeah i've learned if i'm not there soon enough i'm missing what's important it's like we have to be able to see the ball to make the right call. So if I get there late, mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to miss something that's really crucial or I'm going to miss an opportunity to help clear somebody off the floor or get them out of the ruck or get their hands off. And mm-hmm. if I get there late, I I might be rewarding bad behavior instead of good behavior, which is not great. We want to I have to work hard to get there early so I can see the game best. And that, of course, comes with all the fitness work as well. And I've seen, I've seen exactly. the uh, um, some fond memories of you doing the the, the steps fitness at the uh, Marty's, the Danny Craven Stadium out there. I've done I've done that myself, so I remember the the fun that is a step session. Yes, it's awful but necessary. Mm-hmm. All works out yeah. in the end. Yeah, I think um, people may know Stellenbosch 
and as a as a rugby community is one of the places that's trialled the two referee system. Um, I think I've seen a, a post from you that suggests you you've been involved in that. Um, I'm I just missed out on it when I was there. When I was there, I refereed. I watched the in action, but didn't referee it. There was a just what, a one on field official at the time. How how did you find that? Oh, I found it fantastic, Keith, and it. It's boggled my mind for a long time how we still only have one referee on the field when you look at all other sports. But um, I've done it once, and I actually I think I'm signed up to do it again this afternoon. And it all comes down, it's a team that you have to work with. You have to be in line really well with that person you're working with. And the hard part is is you have to – I don't think it's hard for me, but it's hard for a lot of people is you have to, you have to trust your, your partner – and you have to know when to relinqu- relinquish control over to them. There's there's certain aspects, but it it can work really well. And I, I think when they put it to full trial, they um I don't think they followed quite the right rules, so it didn't work out well. And it's a shame because I've studied it, I've done it, and I'm wondering why we're not doing it more. I, th- I think a little bit of it is a bit how do you actually resource this if you look at the, the challenges that I'm sure um, your society face at home the societies of those who are listening to the podcast today will probably think we've only barely got enough referees for the games that we've got in front of us right now never mind having two officials potentially on each game so I think it's probably a resourcing problem rather than a, a sort of inbuilt problem against yeah, the, the principle but. it's a little of both I can, I can certainly see how it could be a benefit, but I can also think of it from a refereeing perspective um, how potentially it could cause more problems than it's not. But it's great that the, the trial still goes on and it's still the, 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 the Stellenbosch Academy there and the, the college system there allows that um, facility to happen. So that, that's been really good to read your, hear your experiences of that. Yeah, it's great. In the hostels, they get to they trial different laws. One mm. of my favorite ones is um, they have kind of their own rules in general, but like a quick line out can still happen if it's touched because there's so many people on the sideline. There's yeah. all different rules that they bring into play and it's it's been really fun. But when I go to ref elsewhere, I have to remember what all of my laws and rules back are. To the, back to the <laughs> law book. Part. Yeah. Cool. So it sounds like you had a, a pretty good um, couple of months. How long have you got left? I'm leaving this Friday and I'm technically done at the academy today, but I'll get a couple more days in. Right, so we're recording this just at the uh, the last couple of days of September. So um, you'll be heading, I'm guessing, back home. Um, and yeah. I guess what's next? Yeah, I'll be landing in Seattle in three weeks. I'm just I'm doing some personal travel. I'm 10,000 miles away from home, so I might as well. But yeah, I'll be landing in Seattle, and then I'm gonna try to work my way. My goal is to get on the the BC Rugby Premiership um, for the women. They um, it's comparable to the the women's um, WPL league mm-hmm. that we have, except um, I don't really have to fly. It's all within reach. I can just drive over the border. So I want to try to work. There's um I want to try to ref my home team, the Seattle Saracens. If if they'll give me a game, I want to show them that I can handle it, and then hopefully get onto the D1A this following spring, the WPL in the fall, work my way up. Hopefully the sevens pathway. But really, it's. It's if I'm ready and can handle those games, and if not, it's it's the next year. I'm not not too worried, but I am gonna keep working hard because I want to I want to be better. I think I can help make the game better. Great stuff. And obviously, we've heard from um, other guests on the podcast in the past about the opportunities that there are for um, for, for women in the, in the game at, of all levels to referee and to play. So it's great to to see you doing that. And we obviously wish you well um, as you're out there doing that. 
thank you so much, Keith. Joy, thank you very much indeed for for joining us. I, I guess a final question for for those people who are um, refereeing at the moment and want to become better referees. What sort of advice would you give them for um, making the next step? We must be persistent in ourselves in asking our coaches for games, um, in just aring for somebody who needs a hand, being fit, studying the law book. It's it all comes down to us. We we are the only ones that can control our future. Great. Well, that's really good advice, and, and that links to a piece that I spotted in one of the one of the posts that you've done on your blog over the last couple of months. Um, and I'm just going to quote yourself back at you. It's, it's a really good quote, and I think that's it adds to what you've just said. Um, and you've written here: um, "As a referee, we're a never-ending work in progress. We're never complete, but we can always be better." So I think that's a really great quote that I saw from you. Um, um, and obviously bears hopefully the training that you've had over the last couple of months um, bears fruit and we obviously wish you well in the future we'll be keeping an eye on you from afar thank you so much keith i really appreciate the time great thanks for joining us thanks for listening to the advantage over podcast from rugbyreferee.net we hope you've enjoyed the content that we brought to you this week what we'd really appreciate is your likes rates and reviews wherever it is you found it whether that's itunes or stitcher radio or TuneIn. please head over there and leave us a review we really do appreciate those um, we'd also um, ask you to tell your referee colleagues, friends, community um, that about this podcast. This is the only rugby referee podcast out there, um, so we hope to get to more earbuds um, over time. We'd also love your feedback um, and your suggestions and your comments, so please let us have them. Um, you can either email us at ref at advantageoverpodcast.com um, or you can find us through the rugbyreferee.com net website um, or through twitter at rugby referee net which is the same handle you'll find on instagram as well we're in all those places so please do let us know what you think let us know what you want um, and how we can help you become better referees in the future so for now that is advantage over